Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hello, welcome. Today is the autumn statement. The Conservative government have set out their plans, their spending plans, as it were, um, in the run-up to a general election, almost certainly the last of these autumn statements, unless they run down the clock till January 2025, that's the latest there can be an election, people now speculate on the back of this that an election could come in the spring. Well, look, we want to tear this apart, don't we? So who better to tear this apart with than James Medway, economic super brain, also the host of the brilliant podcast Macrodose, which has just been relaunched. We'll uh, do a video at the end to show you what that's all about, but it is really recommended if you, my go-to place on economic stuff, and it should be yours as well. Hey, James, how you doing? Hello, not too bad, thank you. Just had a power cut, if anyone's wondering. <laughs> you, might, you might want to explain that, yeah. Yeah, he just had a power cut. This was a nightmare trying to get this fixed, but we got there, and he does look like one of the baddies in one of the Superman films. Uh, he doesn't know what I'm talking about, but many of you <laughs> might do. Anyway, still great uh, to have you. Right, Jamie Hunt's been vindicated, as he says. He uh, he made some tough decisions, gave him some headroom, and now he can, you know, do some great things. Why are you complaining? Leave him alone, James. Yes, poor man. Uh, he's worked so hard, except he hasn't. You know, he's got his three. He started off with this whole, like, three pledges. I forget what two of them were, actually. But uh, the first pledge, oh, we're going to halve inflation inside a year. It's absolutely nothing to do with anything the government did. Um, you know, because the government says, oh, it's the Bank of England that's going to cut inflation, going to cut inflation by putting up interest rates. Now, that actually hasn't had an impact on inflation either. What's really happened is the big shock from the Ukraine war has washed out of the system. The government's done nothing to change any of this, but they're coasting along saying inflation down, everything better. Not actually true. If you look at the official forecasts for real household disposable income, in other words, how much money households have once you take account of price rises, the official forecasts say it's going to be 3.5% lower by next year, by 2025, actually, than it was at the start of the pandemic. So, you know, so much for like everything's better, suddenly uplands, all this sort of stuff. What he has done, and this is the big thing in the budget, is push through a load of tax cuts, which are scheduled to turn up in May next year, on national insurance contributions. Bear in mind, this is um, the national insurance contributions that this government put up a few years ago, claiming it was fair to do this. They've now kind of reversed that and gone a little bit further. They're claiming that they can do this because everything's going so well. Uh, the economy's growing so much, everything's turned around. It's nonsense. What they've actually done is, against their own budget, schedule a load of spending cuts to turn up after a 2024-2025. In other words, after the next general election. And that's about that's a huge amount of spending cuts come through, about £19 billion. Pounds. Usual comparison being made by reputable commentators, Institute for Government, these sort of people, is that this is like Osborne, George Osborne as Chancellor with austerity in the 2010s all over again. It's going to be that level of cuts on top of 
what we've already suffered. So it's more austerity on top of the austerity we have with this kind of pause in the middle whilst the election takes place uh, and he puts some some tax cuts through. So it's, it's sort of nonsense budget, right? There's a lot of sort of presentational issues. It's very much steered around the politics, not actually about how to run the economy better. There's very little of that going on. It's about can you get a tax cut now? Can you line up for the election? Can you tie Labour up in knots? And that's really the big consideration here. So basically it's a short-term kind of yeah. ruse. Um, and it, what in the long term that means is existing austerity is baked in and mm-hmm. then you get more on top of it yes. as well as there's a bigger population, bigger yep. needs, social needs because of the austerity before. So I suppose all of that makes it even worse in some ways than what we had before. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, this is the thing. If you if you compare what the government says it's going to be doing, which is about nineteen billion pounds additional cuts, uh, at least actually, there's there's a few more things going on there. Um, the kind of estimates you're looking at, what you need to get back to twenty ten levels of public service, right? So that's now actually some time ago, twelve thirteen years ago. Um, what you had under the last Labour government, you need another hundred forty seven billion pounds a year by twenty thirty. So, okay, you're a few years ahead, but that's a huge increase and he's just going backwards. Now, the challenge at the minute is what are Labour going to do? Like, how are they going to respond to this? Because they really box themselves in, which is what the Conservatives are exploiting by saying, we have a fiscal rule that is completely set in stone. It's a sacred fiscal rule. We can't possibly break that or touch it as if this is something they didn't just write themselves and set up themselves. And at the same time, you have Rachel Rees insisting that they're not going to tax uh, the rich. They're not going to tax the wealthy. No wealth taxes, no increase in high rate income tax. Nothing like this. So what earth are you going to do when the government turns around and says, OK, here's a load of cuts? Yeah, where's the room for Labour to be able to say, actually, we'll restore those cuts and go further? Because we have to go further to actually rebuild public services. So, so he's kind of, I think, really caught Labour in a bit of a bind here. It doesn't look very good for them at this point in time. And it's, it's, it's sneaky, it's trickery. It's not like, in any sense, honest uh, way of doing like national accounting and setting a budget. But it's there and it's kind of predictable they do this. And, and I think Labour's going to find it difficult to get through this uh, over the next 12 months or so. Just before I ask again about Labour, I mean, in terms of real wages, can you just put into context just how dire the squeeze in real wages has been? And why has it been so kind of uniquely bad compared to actually a lot of other countries which have struggled, but not as bad? I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been, bad for, it's been bad across the world, right, for pretty well everyone for the last couple of years. Um, that's the effect, and the really obvious one is the effect of the Ukraine uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine, driving up, disrupting energy supplies, driving up prices, disrupting food prices, food supplies as well, because Ukraine's a big supplier of well, fertilizer and, and grain and all sorts of things. So that's a really big shock. What you've got on top of that is a whole load of other sort of smaller shocks, often associated with climate change, by the way. This is creeping up on us that, you know, it gets... If you find that 60% of Spain is in drought and a quarter of your fresh fruit and veg comes from Spain, that's mm. going to have an impact on prices here, right? So some of that's feeding through. That's kind of the general picture. Specifically in Britain, I think what you've really got, um, Brexit's a little part, right? Brexit adds a, a few percent to, to inflation as well, the, the kind of crappy deal that we've ended up with. But really what you've got in Britain is just very, very weak uh, labour markets for workers, very weak institutions, trade unions basically on their knees for like decades, let's be honest, until a bit of a turnaround in the last like year, 18 months or so. When you have that, it's easy to jam through big price rises with no wage rises. And that means it's easy to get really, really big fat profits out the other side. BP, Shell, other oil and gas giants making all-time record profits for them. Big food companies also making highest profits they've ever made, right? That's the kind of the way the crisis has played out. It's been particularly bad in Britain because we don't have those strong trade unions, never mind a government that will stand up to any of this stuff. So what should Labour now be doing, which they won't do, but you know what? 
let's let's have fun. What should they be doing, James? If you were, well, they, they, yeah, they don't have much choice. They don't have much choice anymore. Like they're going to have to talk about putting up taxes, right? And that would mean, since they kind of want to win the election, since to be honest with you, I'm sympathetic to the argument that most people have seen their pay already cut in real terms because of inflation. So you can't turn around as a government and say, do you know what? We're just going to make you worse off, right? To most people, it's not fair. By the way, there's a whole load of tax rises quietly coming through all of this, about £40 billion, because the government have done something slightly complicated, but basically, as you earn more, usually you pay a higher rate of tax, right? It's a higher rate tax that kicks in like £50,000. Those thresholds, they're called, when you pay different rates, they're supposed to move with inflation. Government hasn't done that. So as inflation has risen, wages have gone up a bit, less inflation, Loads more people are being pulled into paying more tax. It's £40 billion through that. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com ACAST. What Labour should be doing is saying, we will tax the rich. We will go and tax the very, very wealthy people who've done exceptionally well in Britain and across the world, especially over the last few years of coronavirus, right? A lot of people did extremely well out of that. So that's a big, chunky wealth tax. Tax the top, um, you know, top millionaires in the country. Estimates from the LSE, University of Warwick, says that for a one-off tax, you can raise £200 billion uh, out of this. Huge sums that would actually start to repair some of the damage uh, that we've seen in the last 13 years or so. Labour's just saying they're not going to go anywhere near that. They, they want to snuggle up as closely as possible to the City of London, to the Treasury, not rock the boat, and they think this is all going to be plain sailing from there on in. It isn't. They're going to hit an almighty crisis if they get into government and they face austerity on top of everything else that we're seeing. Well, that's my final question, really. I mean, look, you know, the Tories are almost certainly going to lose the election badly, and Labour, by default, are going to win, yeah. maybe quite handsomely. Expectations will be raised by a lot of people, given... Yeah. The, the absolutely unique post-war crisis that we've been in now for so many years, that things will change considerably. What will be, what if Labour don't change their rules, and bearing in mind all the other crises, which are, yeah. you know, because I think lots of people think uh, politics will become boring again, the grown-ups will be in charge, yes. and uh, it's all vibes, not substance for those uh, sort of big house uh, centrists. But anyway, but what does it, what, what would it mean, basically, if Labour don't do this change course? 
Well, it's, it's, they're looking, they're staring disaster in the face at this point, right? That's what it looks like. If you say there's going to be these sorts of spending cuts and, okay, a few departments are protected, it doesn't amount to very much necessarily because of all the demands in the NHS, but it's protected spending. If you do that, it's even worse cuts and things that aren't protected. Well, there's like great sways of local government already cut to the bone. How are you going to run local government when you cut what has already been cut so far that local councils are basically going bankrupt, right? There isn't much more you can do here. So Labour's going to have to spend more money. And that means either the fiscal rules go, they loosen them, they change them, they do what the government's done. God knows how many times, lose count how many times they've changed their own fiscal rules in the last few years. These things just change. So you can change your own fiscal rules, spend more money, borrow more money to do that, or you raise taxes, or you end up doing a combination of both. If they stick to this very rigid framework they've got, they're setting themselves up for, for real, really serious political and wider economic and social crises. I don't think people will take it sitting down. I don't think what we've seen over the last few years where you know you have had more strikes, you have had more protests, these things are happening. That will happen under a Labour government and it will probably happen more because people have higher expectations, right? You think, oh, it's Labour, it's going to get better. Six months in, it hasn't, it's actually worse. What do you think people are going to do? So that's what they're setting up. They can avoid this by not attaching themselves. I mean, they're just dying in a ditch for saying we can't tax wealth at this point in time. That's what the Tories have set up, and they'll be rubbing their hands with glee uh, at seeing the state of all this, because they know full well that if people are fed up with Labour, it's their turn as soon as Labour get chucked out of office after a single failed term. That's what it's starting to look like at this point in time. The Tories know that this is a serious prospect, so they're setting up the arguments around the election to play out like this. Indeed, and that's why, as it always needs to be emphasised, this is not 1997, a period of economic growth and rising living standards, unsustainable, based on a model which went in 2008, that Labour could buy the social peace back then with modest social reforms. They're not even doing that this time. Yep. Um, and I think that's why, with a resurgent Labour movement and a much stronger actually yep. left than we give credit for yep. compared to the 90s, there's a different context. James, that was a masterclass as ever. Um, we're going to no, end this with a, uh, a public... Um, broadcast by you. <laughs> um, so press like and subscribe and do follow James um, on Twitter. But also, Macrodose is so, so important. I, I did an event with James last week, which was fantastic. They do brilliant stuff. So let's just hear about the big relaunch of Macrodose. The era of easy growth is over and climate breakdown is changing the economy as we know it. For the last 200 years, we've exploited technology, we've exploited the planet, and we've exploited each other. In the last 50 years, the pace of this exploitation has increased. The majority of carbon emissions have taken place in the last three decades. An extraordinary increase in the material output of capitalism has eaten up raw resources faster than ever before. But that world is now coming to an end. As the climate crisis hits, growth is becoming harder to find. Whilst new conflicts are brewing over our limited resources from the Arctic to South America. Governments are abandoning the free market, neoliberal rules they used to claim were sacred and are turning instead to direct intervention in their national economies. In this more uncertain and unsettled world, we need sound, evidence-based and climate-focused economic analysis. For too long, economics has been the preserve of those in Westminster or the City of London, where the incentives are to mystify and confuse the rest of us about how our world works. This show aims to democratise economics, making the subject accessible for everyone. We break down the headlines and bring you a quick 15-minute update on everything you need to know. The era of easy growth is over, and it's time our media caught up. Macrodose, your weekly fix of climate economics. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? 
Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.